I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Celtics Blog podcast. It's a, a somber Monday, tough, tough preseason, two losses in two games. We're not here to talk about that. We know the Celtics pride guys already gave you their views on that. So we don't want to rehash similar topic. So we're going to be looking at Rob Williams and Daniel Tice's contract situation for the end of the season because we want to discuss what we want to see from them both. We're also going to break down what we saw from some of the younger guys. As usual, I'm joined by Mr. Brendan Nunes, rocking the Vans hoodie that is new, apparently. Yeah, I'm a Vans guy. I'm a California guy. Can't help myself. It's everywhere around me. Yo, um, dude, my wife's got like, 11 pairs of Vans. I love Vans. Vans so you, are like, just like my comfort shoe. One day I did put on like some running shoes though. And I was like, wow, this is like some real support right here. These are comfortable. I'm just a basketball shoe guy and a skateboard shoe guy, depending on if I'm going for comfort or like lightweight footwear. So I'll, yeah. I'll jump in with like Jordans, Kyrie's, Harden's, um, or then I'll be like DC's and, you know, right. Vans. Uh, I don't I, like Converse because I look like a clown because I've got big feet. I feel it. Yeah. Um, I am like a lot of typical skateboard brands, but I could not ride a skateboard to save my life. I actually don't even think that I could stand on it and push and go forward without just falling and losing balance. Like, I feel like I'm a pretty really? coordinated guy, but skateboarding? No, no way. I can ollie. I can shove it. I can pop shove no. it. Um, I cannot kick flips to save my life. Like, um, some of my friends are ridiculous on, on skateboards from when we were young. Yeah. Um, I can get up and down a curb and I can go down a hill so I can get where I need to go. But there's very limited amount of tricks. I'm more of an inline guy. Yeah, no, I, I see. I got none of this. You grew up in the age of technology, dude. I grew up before the internet. We had to hurt ourselves somewhere. Yeah, I played a lot of Tony Hawk, you know. Didn't you, don't you ever go like ice skating or anything like that? Not really. I mean, like, ice skating wasn't too big of a thing here, you know. Like, we don't got all too much ice in in the Bay Area and SoCal. <laughs> yeah, but it's not like I'm going ice skating on like a lake, dude. I'm going No, I know, building. but like it's yeah, melting no, ice inside. Skating, skating was never a big thing among my family or anything, or like even like many friends that I knew around here. Um so no, like hockey. I, no, like I have some friends that were into it for sure. Um was it ice hockey? I think it was, or maybe roller. It was definitely at least roller. I don't know if ice was involved also, but yeah, no, there were some hockey guys, but I was never, it was never me. How'd you stay in shape? dude? I played basketball. I played basketball like all the time. It was always fun. Yeah. But uh, see, we don't have indoor ball here really. So it was like, I'd play basketball until it got like snowy and then I'd have to find a different activity. Yeah. I was just lucky enough to be able to play outdoor most times of the year. Yeah, okay. I can, I can see the smile as well. Just being like, yeah, I live where it's yeah. the sun is, dude. Um, don't forget, most people listening to it's this true. don't live where it's the true. sun is. We're all hating I, on you yeah, right now. I feel it. I'm used to it. You so, know who anyway. I'm hating on right now? <laughs> and, and I'm about to keep getting hated on by all the Celtics fans in this episode. I think I'm like, I, if I haven't already, I'm very close to giving up on Time Lord. Yeah, like for dude, real. I, his his defensive rotations and the placements that he's been in have been horrible, horrible. And I think that in a drop, like, you know, he he has this outlier length paired with an ability to get off the ground really quick that makes him jump uh, block jump shots that I feel like you don't see very often players do. And, and that's fun. Obviously, he has a nice athleticism and things like this. But I there were so many times I get it's a preseason game, but like 
he just was a step away from the right spot and then is just watching the opposing team just lay it right up or, or the opposing big man put it right there. Um, there. He has clear, I just feel like easy rotations to make and he doesn't do it uh, like far too often. I think that it needs to get a point where we have a little bit of consistency. I get there's going to be lapses, then there's going to be flashes, but like that's all that we've had so far. And I'm kind of over just hanging on to the flashes and those flashes are, it's past the point where I'm letting those make up for him generally being a negative out there. Well, I put a tweet out like um, two, three days ago that kind of goes against what you're saying simply because of the lack of floor time that he's had. So in his time in the league, Rob Williams has played 61 NBA games. He's played less than 675 minutes total really? in the NBA. So when you're like, oh, he's like, and I, I agree, like his defense is flawed. It's ridiculously bad at times. And then other times he'll bail himself out with a block. Right. But when you look at the limited amount of floor time he's had, and then the fact that he's been in and out of that rotation, in and out of the treatment room due to injury, he hasn't had enough time to actually develop and learn. Like Jalen Brown was rough his first two years defensively on his rotations. And he had ridiculous yeah. amounts of exposure, game time. And if it took Brown, who's, in my opinion, definitely got a higher basketball IQ than Rob Williams, if it took him more than two years just to figure out how rotation should be and when he should switch, when he should hedge, when he should sag, then writing Time Lord off now and kind of cutting ties with him after just such a small sample size of games may be premature. But if he can't stay healthy this year, then I'm with you. It's uh, time to look elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, like... If uh, he's had a lot of time behind the scenes as well, um, that doesn't get accounted for too much. I, I know that reps actually in game among your guys and just being out there against real competition is important and everything, but he's had a few years now being in the league, even just practicing with real NBA players, getting NBA coaching and, yeah, we just haven't seen him be a, a positive out there that often, I feel like. Um, and it's definitely uh, the Celtics are in a situation where they just can't afford too many developmental minutes. Like I mean, they're, you kind of can throughout the regular season and they're going to play with it. Yeah, you know? I mean, if but when it comes minutes, to making decisions between centers, sorry, my last little thing, like in this kind of cool. this, the Tice Time Lord thing, if you're looking at making decisions on your roster, I, like you're kind of in a spot where if the outcome isn't like, it, it, I don't know if the Celtics can take a high risk, somewhat high reward guy um, in, in the situation that they're in right now with like a limited center depth. I mean, the first thing I want to touch on is Grant Williams has played more minutes in his NBA career than Rob Williams. That's crazy. Yeah, so like, and then wow. when you look at that and you're like a one-year guy that wasn't a feature in the offense or defense that had his own time out of the rotation, has played more minutes and got more development time than a guy entering his third year, that's yeah. kind of the, the nail that I'm trying to keep hammering is this guy has not had minutes like in terms of how many you need to develop and figure stuff out, it just hasn't been there for him. And a lot of that is due to injuries. It's due to what was lacking in terms of, you know, he had the hip edema, then he came back, then he got a run and then he played himself out of the rotation because of his defensive rotations. 
there's a lot left to be desired, but for me that the ceiling for him. And when we say I, I agree that the Celtics cannot keep taking these um high risk, high reward guys because of what else is lying around. But then you look at Time Lord and you'd be like, okay, so he's got he's got a high high ceiling in terms of playmaking, in terms of defense, rim protection, short roll offense, pull up jump shot offense from the mid range. Eventually that might be scalable to the three point line. There's so much that you can continue to work with and so many wrinkles to his game that do you really want to give up on him and then have him develop elsewhere and light you up in a game that really counts? So, okay, I want to ask you about like what his ceiling really is. Like, is it just, is he ever an all-star? No, right? Yeah, I don't see him as an all-star center. No, like ceiling is what, like a starter on on a quality team, on a playoff team? Yeah, I see him being um, a valuable starter on a playoff team if he if he reached his potential. Maybe right. maybe if he had like a crazy season, then he could become an all-star one time in his career. I mean, that's not too far of a stretch. Do you, do you think he will at any point in his career be better than Daniel Tice is right now? I feel like he could be if he hit his. It's all about that potential development, but I feel like he's right. got enough tools, and he's so much more athletic, so much more intelligent with the pass re, with the reads that he can make as a playmaker. That there is a possibility he could become better than Tyson. Yeah, I'm totally with you, but like the thing is, I just don't feel like it's that far off, and I'd kind of just rather stick with the guy that we know what he's going to be. And sure, there's going to be more of a decline rather than. In, in a gradual work towards it with Time Lord and you would have him cost-controlled for a lot more years would be the idea, but Tice is a $5 million guy. Tristan Thompson, uh, what, they just give him $9 million. Like, And these are starting NBA centers that I don't think Time Lord really has that much of a path to being notably better than these guys. Um, yeah, and I can agree there. And Tice is only 28 at the moment. He'll turn 29 in April. And that's the only thing, right? For me, it's like... The Celtics have got a bunch younger this offseason um, in terms of adding Neesmith and adding Pritchard. Do they, and then they already have their veteran big now in Thompson. Do they see more value in Tice because you know what you're getting and you know if you can slide him to the four, he's ridiculously reliable defensively, always makes the right play offensively coming off screens. Do they see the value in that or do they see the more value in the co- complete X factor that Tice could be, the fact that Tice could end up becoming the guy that when you bring him off the bench goes for 14 and 8 mm-hmm. on a on a nightly basis. It depends where that value is seen, right? Do they want someone to fit that young timeline and grow with the rest of the roster? Or do they need another, another guy like Tice, a veteran guy that can come off the bench and cement that second unit, which to me is what Smart's meant to be. Yeah, and for me, like if you're looking for developmental minutes, which I think can be a fun part of the Celtics' current team, the center is not the spot to do it. Like I, I personally don't care about developing some center, um, and like I, I enjoy Time Lord minutes for the most part, but unless the the upside of a center is so low, unless you're talking a guy that is an All Star like a Bam Adebayo, Rudy Gobert, uh, Joel Embiid, you know, like what is the next best center after that, like a Miles Turner um, sort of range, and he's probably overpaid, you know, like 
what I guess Sabonis, but like these are like outlier big men. And I don't think that Robert Williams has any sort of that upside. Um, so I don't know, like that just a center is not where I would want my developmental minutes. You're trying to develop while also win games. And I think for that, you get a veteran, good defensive anchor. I want Derek Favors. Yeah, fine by me. Like I, I just, <laughs> if I have to pick between Tice and Time Lord, it's right now it's Tice and, and it's no question. And I think that if this is the season that Time Lord obviously kind of has to prove himself. And I think that decision is going to come pretty quick. Um, I think he's going to get an opportunity um, being the third. I don't know. He actually might not be the third center if you're counting Grant, you know, you see the fourth center in the rotation. But I think that he's going to get minutes this year to kind of change people's mind about that. But right now, give me Tyson a heartbeat. I mean, look, they're both going into a contract year in Tice and Rob Williams. There's a, there is a chance that the Celtics bring back both because they like having three bigs that do three different things and offer you three different types of offense. You've got your love threat in Williams, you've got your low post threat in Tristan Thompson, and then you've got your, I mean, Daniel Tice is kind of a jack of all trades, yeah. right? He can shoot the three a little bit, he can roll a little bit. Yeah. So maybe they see value in keeping them both and still seeing where they are with Rob Williams. But there's a lot to, there's still a lot left to be desired with Time Lord. I'm not, I'm not under any illusions that this is kind of a make or break year for him as a Celtic. When you're talking Bam Adebayo, he's never going to reach that level. And that to me is like one of the quintessential bigs of the modern game that isn't Davis. I do think his ceiling, Rob Williams' ceiling, is like a, a poor man's version of Adebayo, maybe a little bit more athletic. Yeah, I mean, I just don't know that Rob Will ever has those defensive instincts, you know? Like, I mean, I think how you described it earlier is kind of perfect. More often than not, he's just bailing himself out with his athleticism and his length rather than being fundamentally in the right position. And I just, I mean, there's a lot of improvement that needs to come there, and I don't think we've seen hardly any. You're right, there hasn't been many reps for him. And, but yeah, I mean, we just have not seen any progress or, or much, I should say, when it comes to his um, positioning and, and rotating being in the right spots. I have to agree. I, it hurts me because I'm so high on what he could be and the ability he's got and everything that he can kind of put together on the floor in terms of offense to defense and become like that rim running big. And he's, in the first preseason game, one of the things I noticed was he was very regularly the first big up the floor. He was running that floor hard. Yeah. And that's like the minimum requirement of a rim running big is to be everybody up the floor and offer that outlet. So you can see the determination there to get better. And for me, one of the biggest things is his inability to stay healthy and stay on the floor and continually push on. And if he has another bout of injuries this year, then I'm not resigned to keeping him anymore do you know what i mean you know who he's turning into who or who he could turn into worst case here go on willie carly stein i mean no i know willie carly stein thinks he's a superstar i don't know i i mean you're right yeah that i guess that is a lot of the carly stein issues but a guy that's just a rim runner with some nice passing to him as well that has defensive tools but doesn't seem to want to be good on the defensive end. I don't know. There's a world and I'm gonna I'm gonna get hated for all this 
Time Lord talk, but I mean, I don't, I, I don't feel like he wants to be. He doesn't want to be a good defender. I just feel like it's the opposite. He's too eager. He constantly feels like he can block every shot, so he'll bite on every fake. He'll and then he'll lose his man. He'll lose his rotation because he overhelps or he overcommits to a defensive player. Yeah. To me, it's more it's eagerness. Too jumpy. Yeah, it's yeah. he's like a puppy, right? Like a baby Labrador. It's like, oh, the ball's there. The ball. Let me jump in the ball. Right. And it's like, dude, just stay on the floor. Like I always go back to that one play he had against Ibaka in the last play against Toronto in the playoffs, and it was because it was the only time I've ever seen him not bite on a couple of consecutive pump fakes, and then get the block. Yeah, like, dude, you can do this. Like you've proved now that you do not need to bite to still block the shot and be an effective right. rim protector. Next play down, what does he do? Bite on the pump fake, and it's like, oh my god. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, you just gotta grow out of those things kind of um and i think that the moment i folded or i I don't know i'm not out yet but the moment that really got me in this last game was um i I think he was kind of in a little bit of a containing two-on-one in a drop defense and then the pass gets uh dropped off to the big man right there and he's in in fine position and instead of just stepping over a little bit while the guy's just fumbling the ball he just completely wraps him up and just goes for a foul. And I think it was DeAndre Jordan, so who cares? I guess DeAndre Jordan free throws aren't horrible. But it was just like he he had – it was so easy to be in the right position, and instead he just came down and fouled the guy. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm frustrated with him for sure, and I think there's a lot that needs to be shown. And this is the last thing I'm going to sound twice before we move on to other players. Not twice, sorry. I've never got anything bad to say about twice. Last thing I'm going to sound, Rob Will. Another thing that I look for when I'm looking at young guys is I like to see what type of plays get called for them. And I like to see how regularly plays are being called simply because that tells me how much the coach values their basketball IQ to execute certain plays. So when you've got a guy like Rob Will that is very reactionary, there's nothing being called for him. They're not calling pistol sets and asking him to become the the role man um, off a pistol. So he needs to note time that precisely or they're not asking him to play off a split cut it's very much just set a pick and roll to the rim that to me kind of screams as well that there's not a lot of value in his basketball IQ I don't know if you agree I understand these play calls are usually made more for ball handlers but what you do off ball in those plays are equally as valuable yeah I think it comes back a little bit to my whole thing on just not really valuing centers that much and I think it's because they are just more limited um, in regards to their involvement in, in the offensive end of the floor, specifically um, in the modern NBA. But yeah, Time Lord has a lot he needs to show for sure. And um, the other young minutes. You're showing your age, man. Like, I grew up in the, like, the 90s and the early 2000s NBA. So for me, centers are like ridiculously valuable, regardless yeah. of the modern NBA or not. I'm like, if you're a big man that can ball, then you deserve to be on a championship level team. Uh, and that's just age discrepancy more yeah. than No, I so I think they're super important, but like contractual values that these guys are getting around the league are nothing. You know what I mean? Like Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee were technically starting centers on a championship team and just got pretty much minimum contracts. But they're both low post guys, so you're low post and boards and that isn't enough, but when you can become a um a rebounding, vertical spacing, short roll facilitating, mid-range pull-up jumping, hybrid big, then I feel like there's value there. Do you think I, he's I, a good rebounder? This one, Not, at all. not at all. 
No, right. He doesn't box out. He's got a very poor position. And again, it comes down to IQ for me. It's his positioning. He doesn't position his body well enough to be in um, right. reliable scenarios to grab rebounds consistently. Yeah. And I think this is like my main concern with the Celtics defense this year. Probably one of my only concerns is defensive rebounding, just getting the period and closing out the possession. Um because they're going to be a good defensive team, and I think that's where Tristan Thompson's going to really feel good too. Yeah, and um, Jason Tatum took a leap as a defensive rebounder last season. Yeah, as well, Jalen so. crashes boards too, but it's it's going to be a team effort there for sure. And it has been for years. I mean, this is what you come to expect from the Celtics on the defensive glass at yeah. this point. It's always going to be a rebound by committed job. Yeah, for sure, which limits transition, but is what it is. Um, so you want to talk about the other young guys a little bit here? Yeah, so I liked what I saw from Aaron Neesmith off-ball. I liked the movement. He was doing some baseline cuts that I really liked. He showed, um, what did you say, sorry? He's really active yeah, on both ends he, of the floor. I, I feel like um, he's going to show that he's more than just a spot-up shooter, and his ability to score off-movement is going to bode well for the activity that he shows, um, especially along that baseline and on the wings. I think that there's going to be a real good opportunity for him to stake a claim for some minutes, especially while Romeo's out. Yeah, I think he he totally should at least get a look. Um, I was surprised in this last game, and he was out there with some doo-doo lineups, so I don't know if he really gets these opportunities in the regular season. But he did some okay, not creation, but work in a pick and roll of just taking two dribbles and then pulling up off off the bounce that I was um, a little surprised and, and glad to see some variety to his offense from him because I think a lot of him is a catch-and-shoot guy. I think you're right. He's definitely more than a spot-up, um, and, and there is that running through screens you're talking about, but I still think that primarily he's going to be kind of catch-and-shoot. But the the outlier for him would be able to do it off the dribble as well if he still can kind of keep some of that same stroke. Um, so there was a little bit of promise there. And then the defensive end, I think – I don't know. It wasn't too different from what I expected, I guess. Um, he, he tries hard on that end, and that'll go a long way when you have a, what, 6'10 wingspan, something along those lines, right? Um, so that'll do a lot, and I think he's he's smart in, in that he's constantly paying attention, and he understands where his rotation should be and which way he should kind of feed guys into the lanes if they're trying to force baseline or force to the middle and things like that. But overall, I just don't think that he has – the lateral quickness um, at all. Like, I think it's really bad, and that's going to come back to hurt him on defense. Um, so, I don't know. I think a lot of a lot of what I saw in, in college is just kind of the same right now, and I think that's fine. Um, yeah, it, except there was a little promise of off-the-dribble shooting that was nice to see. Yeah, so off-the-dribble shooting for me is a big plus when you go, when you project this as a catch-and-shoot guy because that means – you can kind of attack closeouts a little bit more because of the gravity you're going to have if you're, you know, a 36 and above percent three-point shooter. Guys are going to close out on you hard. So if you can beat a man with a couple of steps and then pull up and still be consistent, then I'm cool with that. I feel like that's a, a very good caveat to have to your game as you come into the league when you're just projected to be stuck in the corner or stuck on the wing and asked to shoot when you're open. Yeah, I mean, like Clay Thompson and Duncan Robinson, they don't dribble much at all, but sometimes you need to take two dribbles and then just pull it. And, you know, just being able to do that, I thought he did that okay in, in preseason. Yeah, and even if that means those two dribbles are on a, a micro drive and you're no longer on the three-point line, if you're open now and yep. you've beat that closeout, then pull it. You've got the room, you're a good shooter. I'm cool with that. 
Defensively, I agree. Lateral quickness, he does look slow. And I don't feel, I feel like that can improve over time, but it will never take a jump. Do you know what I mean? You'll get, yeah. he might get a little bit better, but it's never going to take like this elaborate jump where you're like, damn, this guy's got really good laterally. Yeah. It'll just be, oh, he's a bit better. He's a bit better. But with his wingspan and the physical tools that he's got, as he adds muscle to his frame and adds strength, I feel like he'll become an average defender. And that's okay. That's all you need, right? Um, if you're an average defender in the NBA and can shoot 36, 37% from deep, then you're going to have a spot on a good team for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah, getting him to average defensively, I think definitely would be a a uh, plus or a, a success for the Celtics. I, I think that there is a chance he's a negative defender. I think off ball, he'll be fine. On ball, though, um, I think that he could... He, he could get messed up. I mean, having to chase around Joe Harris wasn't great for him. Um, so I don't know. I think that's, that's where a little bit of my concerns are, but overall, I mean, I, I, I wish he would have got more run. I'll say um, like, especially alongside Tatum because the offense is, Oh man, without Tatum out there. Um, so it would have been nice to well, see it like him a with minus Tatum. 27. I don't know. It was horrible. It was horrible. Yeah, it was the like, second sure he like sits, they cannot score. Yeah. It's, it's bad. The, um, for me, when I say he'll be a an average defender, what I'm like for me, lateral quickness com, becomes um, a priority once you're defending the pick and roll coverage because that's where you really need that lateral speed. When you're defending one on one and your guy's going ISO, you sh- he should have enough physical tools in his bag to be able to contain that to a certain degree, depending on who is defending. Obviously, if you're asking him to defend KD, then I don't really care. Nobody can. Yeah, you, you're just going to get messed up. It's going to be ugly. Um, people might even laugh at you. You might end up on the wrong end of a highlight reel. But depending on who you're defending, and if they go ISO, you sh- he should have enough physical tools in his bag and enough attributes to be a bit better than mediocre. Yeah. And, and I, go on. By the way, he got absolutely posted by Jeff Green. <laughs> he got I was like oh my god that was his welcome to the NBA somebody had put in a group chat and I mean it was like you know it's bad oh, when man. Jeff Green is going off against you and Jeff Green could be a starter on your team and I was like oh god yeah. that's a little bit negative but I get what you're saying it's, it's Dude, been rough but he also Neesmith also tried to throw it down on I think it was DeAndre Jordan but he he went for one and he that's that fearless one. you want, right? That, that For me, a lot of this is mentality yeah. when you're a rookie. You just need to be willing to try and willing to attack and then let that development come over time. You know, there's guys that come into the league projecting to be trash and end up having really solid NBA careers. And you can improve whatever you work at, as far as I'm concerned. Your limitations are your work ethic. Um, talking of work ethic, will end he could up. have He could have very easily... Sorry, he very he could have very easily Neesmith walked out of the way and just letting that dunk happen um, and not been on a highlight reel, you know, and it would feel way less bad for him and score would be the same. Um, but just being willing to be in that spot is, I mean, a good thing. And then when we're talking about that willingness and that work, I think I was trying to segue and you cut me up, so I'm using that same segue again. The last goal we'll touch on is Peyton Pritchard had a great first preseason game. Struggled in game two. Again, in my opinion, it was a higher quality team in game two. No disrespect to um Philadelphia. Was it Philadelphia? It is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was Philadelphia. Really. You know, when you question yourself after the words lead, man, if you don't know, No, yeah. And then you, you have me question it too. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm still scared about Peyton Pritchard. I'm not I know lie. you are. I know you it are. It was fun. It was fun at the start, but 
if it's not a pick and roll, what is he doing? This like is he, the question, right? Like he can't ISO. He's he doesn't have the pace he, to ISO yeah, guys. No, no, no. He the, the, I watched him do it a couple times last game, and it was honestly horrible. Yeah, the ISO is not going to be there, he's and not I don't quick know. Enough. But he's got the handle to be able to shake a guy and make and create enough space to fire a shot or fire a jump pass. I like guess, that. but is that ever going to be good offense? I mean, no. But if you if you're down to like six seconds on the clock and you need to get a shot up. At least he knows he's got the handle to create the space. I'm just I'm just throwing out ideas here that we No, can... yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I, I just like I don't know. I, I'm still I still have the same concerns for sure. There was a fun there was a fun first game and he's confident from three and he needs to be. I think that I, I worry what he's gonna do, what he's able to do outside of a pick and roll, but I will say I think he's a smart player. So if he's out there in a lineup that also has Jeff Teague, which seemed to happen a good amount of times. Um, and say there's also Jalen out there or someone like that as well, then limited decisions if, like you're saying, the ball swings to him, 12 seconds left, you let him try to um, use a screen and see if there's something that can come out of it, and I think there's actually a decent chance for that. And if not, I, I don't – while he's aggressive, I don't think that he's necessarily forced things too much. So I, I think there's a way he works within the flow of the offense, but I don't think that – he's an engine of the second unit or anything. No, I do think that off ball as well, his, his movement allowed him to be kind of like um, a middleman pass. You know, he'll, he'll make himself open to keep the ball moving on offense. So someone could like, you know, he could drive middle, get the ball and then redistribute it out to the weak side wing. And I think he's going to be very willing to do that. And then, you know, he might go and set a screen or ask for a rescreen. There's going to be a lot that he does well, but I do agree if he gets deed up and he has to go ISO, then that play is going to break down. Yeah. Because he just doesn't have the physical attributes. I think open court, he's going to be quite a good floor general in the open court. I mean, he seems to be able to pick a pass quite nicely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, I worry about how often the Celtics are actually going to get into the open court um, when it's not off steals. Um, but that's fair. yeah. Yeah, with, with the rebounding issues. Um, and. Yeah, so I don't know. I think he'll be interesting. And I mean, the Celtics definitely need him because he's better to throw out there than than Carson Edwards and Tremont Waters. Yeah, I think uh, I've, I was saying I this. Think. He's definitely, for me, he's the third guard in depth. If, well, no, fourth. It depends where you play smart, right? If, you, if you're classing smart as a point guard, Pritchard's yeah. the fourth guy. I'm classing him as a two. Same. So um, Pritchard, for me, is the third guard in, in the depth chart, followed by Traymont Waters with Carson trailing a very, very distant last. Man, and that's a, honestly a crappy rotation. I love all of those guys for who they are, but when, you, when you're missing your first point guard and all of a sudden those are your backups, I, I think it's, it's a pretty rough situation. This it's just part a lot of why the offense is going to be rough. There's so many guards on this roster and so many of them are undersized and like either still developing or rookies or just Late straight seconds. Yeah, straight yeah. trash. And it's like, I get it. Like these are technically your third string guys, but when you've got your first string point guards, Kemba Walker, and you know, he's going to miss time this year, that third string point guard becomes like ridiculously valuable. Yeah. So it's going to be tough. I'm not over this Peyton Pritchard pick. I'm, I'm, I'm on board with it. I'm on that train. Yeah, I don't know where trains go good. anymore. I know we spoke about this, <laughs> but um, I'm going to find that train. I'm going to get on it. There you go. Yeah, let me know when you figure it out. Guys, we hope you're getting ready for Christmas. 
this isn't an ad we're just being nice um happy holidays if that... we're promoted by christmas yeah we're promoted by christmas we hope you're getting yeah. ready to spend time with your family over the holidays that's a better way of putting it we hope you've enjoyed listening we'll be back again on wednesday there won't be a friday episode though because we um usually record the day before which is christmas eve right Yes. Yeah, so there will not be a Christmas Day episode. We do apologize, but we're expecting that nobody's going to want to listen on Christmas Day anyway, unless you're trying to hide from the family, at which point... I think we're going to be watching the Christmas Day games. Yeah, but... uh, Dude, because they're late for me, I forget they're early for everybody else, you know? Oh, yeah, no, they start early and they go all day. I love it, but I always get in a fight with family members. So for me, it's like... um, I get in the same similar dispute. But for me, it's like I can have like my Christmas daytime and it's out the way. Games usually start around 4 or 5 p.m. Oh, that's so nice. So it's like, yeah, and then they go on until like 4 a.m. Wow. Okay. So like that's that wor- typical for you. Yeah. Yeah. It works quite well for me personally. But then when I'm saying like, oh, you won't want to listen in my head, it's because there's no games until 5 p.m. Right. But really, they're starting right. at like 10 a.m. Yeah. People would be busy. Yeah, I, dude, if I lived in America, my wife would kill me because... Oh, it's just... horrible. It's horrible. It's like, I, yep, yeah, I, it's, yeah, there's definitely side of the family that always gets mad at me. I'm like, oh, I'm <laughs> just trying to watch a game. Like, Yeah, dude, just give me my beer. Give like, me my you're food. You're really <laughs> distracting me right now. I'm trying to figure out how they're defending this pick and roll. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a drop? Is it a show? I don't yeah. know because you won't stop talking to me. I'm like, they just started switching. I think they're playing zone now. Uh, and then you take your eyes off the, off the screen for like two minutes and you hear everyone like, oh my God. And you're like, yeah. I missed the one poster of the game. Are you happy? Like now we're watching? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, guys, you've been listening to the Celtics Blood Podcast. As usual, please leave a nice written review. Leave that five-star rating. If you don't want to do that, that's fine. Hope you enjoyed the show anyway. Me and Brendan and myself will be back again on Wednesday. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.